and I noticed that I started to be a lot more affectionate here and I didn't realize how dry I was before coming here. <laughs> I, always, I always thought I was so nice. We've only just Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And in this episode, you'll be listening to Jessica, who is currently here in Costa Rica, student teaching abroad at my school. <laughs> now, Jessica has been living here for four months in Costa Rica, and she discusses in this episode her upbringing in Oklahoma, how and why she went into education at OSU, Oklahoma State University. She also talks about what has surprised her about student teaching at a private international school abroad. And last but not least, what she's going to miss about living in Costa Rica. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. All right, Jessica, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good seeing good speaking to you again after, you know, after work. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, Jessica is, I guess you're my colleague, right? You're my colleague. You've been my colleague for the past, is it two months now? Two. It's been like four. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> four months since you time. So I guess it's January, right? Yeah, January. Uh, all right. Yeah. So so Jessica is currently student teaching here at Costa Rica. But I don't want to give too much away. I'll let Jessica do the honor. So Jessica, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, so uh, like Angel said, my name is Jessica Cortez. I'm student teaching here abroad and I'm coming from from OSU, which is Oklahoma State University. I was born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm currently finishing up my last year and for my program, which is Human Development and Family Science, with a concentration in early childhood education, we have to do um, like a semester of student internship where we kind of like slowly start to be part of a classroom and then kind of like take over the classroom eventually. And oh. so that's what I did, except I did it in Costa Rica. <laughs> which is obviously way more cooler than I did. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get into obviously student teaching, which of course this episode is about. But let's start off from the beginning. Your roots in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you said, right? Yes. Right. So I know nothing, diddly squat, about Oklahoma or Tulsa, Oklahoma. But I actually do know certain things, but they're not really good things, um, like the Tulsa oh, massacre. Uh <laughs> the the Tulsa massacre, which I which I know about, but that's not obviously a positive yeah. thing. But tell me about um some things about Oklahoma, and just what it was like growing up there. Yeah, so um, it was actually honestly, I feel like I I don't know. I really liked growing up in Tulsa. I had a really good community that I was surrounded with. There was also a pretty large Hispanic population, so I never really felt out of place, honestly, until I went to college, and there was more of like, um, like it was a predominantly white institution, but as for growing up in Tulsa, it was good. I lived in, I grew up in an area um, when I was like younger until I was probably like seven, um, where it was like just Hispanics, 
And living there, it was really nice because, I mean, I felt comfortable. I also would spend a lot of time with my family. Um, Even the schools were very diverse. I went to a huge high school. I mean, I graduated with 1,200 students. um, So there was just a lot of diversity there. Yeah. But in terms of growing up in Tulsa, there's not very much to do. But if you have a good group of friends, there's always things that you can get into, you know, like, oh, hanging out with my friends, we're going to go like for fun. We would we would go to the movies. We would go to the mall, which sounds so silly now, but (laughs) there wasn't much to do in Tulsa. Or like, of course, in the summer, you would go to the lake, you would four wheel, things like that. Got you, got you. But like, you make such a good point, though. As long as you have a good group of people to do things with, it doesn't matter how mundane the things could be. If you have a good group of people, it's going to be fun regardless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay. So that so that's cool. So you are of uh, you have Mexican heritage, correct? Yes, both my parents were uh, born in Mexico, and then they came to Tulsa. All right. So you mentioned you mentioned how you grew up around a lot of a lot of uh, Hispanics or Latinos. Um, were they also predominantly Mexican or just different uh, different ethnicities? Um, it was mostly Mexicans, but there were uh, Guatemalans and Hondurans. Well, mostly Guatemalans, I think. But okay, so like the majority were Mexican, yes. Right, right, right. So, so that that uh, contrast from my upbringing in New York, as you know, I'm have Dominican heritage, and obviously New York City, as I'm sure you have, you can imagine, <laughs> it's a lot of you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a melting pot of diversity, right? In terms of uh, especially the Hispanic population. So, of course, I grew up mm-hmm. around a lot of Dominicans, but also a lot of er- basically everything else, right, in the Latin diaspora. So what was it like growing up in a predominantly, like, Mexican population in terms of the Hispanic community? How do you think that affected your upbringing in terms of, like, how close you are to your roots, things like that? Um, I think it influenced me a lot. I mean, honestly, like, I grew up eating a lot of Hispanic foods, like, well, a lot of Mexican foods, and even whenever I would go out to eat, we would eat, like, even more Mexican food. We would talk Spanish at home, um, and even now I enjoy, whenever I do cooking of my own, I find myself always cooking Mexican food. So, I don't know, it influenced me a lot in that aspect, and I wasn't really exposed to more Hispanic um like Hispanic individuals besides Mexicans until I went to college, you know, that's mm. whenever I had like more Puerto Rican friends, more Dominican friends, like from, you know, from everywhere. Mm. And whenever I grew up, it was just in Mexican. Like if I met another Hispanic, they were, I, it wasn't like, Oh, like, where are you from? It's like, Oh, we're part of Mexico. <laughs> you know? like, right. Because everybody was from, everybody was Mexican. That makes yeah. sense. That's, that's such an interesting Right, that's, that's so interesting. The fact that you already the assumption was probably correct, right? It's like, what part of Mexico? Let's cut to the, cut yeah. to the chase. What part of Mexico are you from? That's that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. And what part of Mexico are your are your, are your parents from? Uh, my mom is from Zacatecas, and my dad is from Obscalientes. Okay, I have no idea where they are. Can you give us a geographic location of both? <laughs> it's kind of kind of it's kind of sort of in the middle. Like even Aguascalientes and Zacatecas are probably like. Two, maybe three hours away. They're not super far, but my parents met in the States, not in Mexico. Okay, okay. And you say you predominantly spoke Spanish in the household. Yeah, when I was younger. And then I think probably whenever I was in eighth grade, um, because the thing is that I went to, so there was probably like, there's a lot of, since my district, my school district was so big, 
we had probably like nine, 10 different elementaries. And so the one that I went to that was closest to my house, it was a lot of Hispanics. So I would speak Spanish in elementary, but then once I got to like sixth and seventh grade, eighth grade, um, that's when things changed and you got split up based on, based on it. Like it was random, you know? Mm-hmm. And and they had, they were like, they were called pods. So you were like in a different pod. And I remember my pod being predominantly white. And I remember during sixth, seventh, and eighth, I really didn't speak Spanish anymore. Like I would speak Spanish at home, but even then, like my mom um, came to the U.S. when she was six, so she speaks perfect English, you know? Mm -hmm. So during, I remember during like my middle school ages, I really didn't speak Spanish because I had a lot of, um, a lot of American friends. And so we would always speak English, you know, and I didn't, at that point, I didn't really have any more um, Hispanic friends. And so for a little bit, I wasn't really speaking Spanish that much. And I don't know, it was different because because I, I liked speaking Spanish. And then all of a sudden, I just kind of stopped. You know what I mean? This is very interesting. And, yeah, exactly. And then once I moved to um, ninth grade, because the way my, my school district works, it's elementary and then it's sixth and seventh grade center. So they have a school for sixth and seventh grade center. Then they have an eighth grade center, a ninth grade center. And then you go to high school, which is 10th, 11th, and 12th. Mm. And so in ninth grade, things kind of changed. Um, and then I started to hang out with more Hispanics. And that's when I started to feel more comfortable speaking Spanish once again. You know, and mm-hmm. I feel like it all depends on on the people that you surround yourself with. And now it's a little bit different because I feel more comfortable. I feel very, like, confident um confident being hispanic speaking spanish but i mean whenever i was younger it was like i was a lot more like i was easily influenced you know like mm-hmm. everything was super like clicky oh okay right i mean yeah that's that, those are the breaks right when you go growing up in middle school or high school <laughs> okay got you got you all right now let's fast forward let's fast forward now to your college college okay. days, which are current, which is crazy to think, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but they're current, right? About to end. <laughs> congratulations, about to graduate. Um, so you went to OSU, Oklahoma State University, and I only know OSU because in my yeah. old school we named our classes after universities. So t- take mm-hmm. us through um, one. Why did you even want? Why do you want to go to college? When did you know you wanted to do like education? Take me through that process. Okay. So I feel like this is such a long story to go through. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) because I remember like everything from college. But anyways. I mean, it's it's, it's only three years ago. So (laughs) yeah, that's true. Okay. By the way, if those are listening, I always see Jessica. I'm sure she's probably (laughs) tired of it, of how old I feel, how young she is. So she's used to this by now. But go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, yeah, so honestly, I think that throughout, throughout, like, even throughout elementary, middle school, high school, like, I wasn't that great of a student. Like, I was making, um, like, C's, B's. I never had made straight A's ever in my life. And so I didn't always see myself as, like, super smart, you know? And so whenever I would think about college, I I mean, I didn't, I didn't really think about it. And I didn't think about it until my brother actually went to college because he's a year older than me. Mm. And so my junior year is when I actually started to kind of think about college. I mean, I knew it was an option, but in my head it was like, 
um, I'll probably go to community college, you know, mm-hmm. even though he went straight to a four-year university, which is the school that I currently go to now. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking, okay, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go there because he was always a lot smarter than me. And I just remember thinking, okay, well, if I go to a community college, I didn't do that well in school, but if I go to community college, then the four-year university will look at my GPA from the community college and not from whatever high school, Mm -hmm. right? And so that was always kind of like my mindset. And then once I actually entered high school, um, I started to hear about all of these different resources. And I was fortunate enough that my family, well, my mom applied me for Oklahoma Promise, which is something they have um, in Oklahoma where if your parents make less than a certain amount, then the then they'll pay for your, your tuition, right? Mm-hmm. And it only works if you, at that time, you could, you could only get it if your parents signed you up for it in eighth grade. So a lot of people missed out on that opportunity because their parents had no idea about it. Right. And I didn't even know that mom had signed me up for it. But I think somebody had told her about it, and so she signed us up. Anyways, so fast forward, um, I'm hearing about all these things, how, oh, maybe I can go to college because we have all these college recruiters and everything. And so I start to actually apply myself, and this is my senior year at this point. And my mom told me, she was like, okay, well, if you get, because my brother, he got scholarships, you know, so his college was paid for. And so my mom told me, okay, well, if you get scholarships and you can get your college paid for, of course you can go there. But if not, like, I can't pay for that. You're going to go to um, the community college. And I was like, okay, okay. And so that's when I really started to apply myself. I remember trying so hard to apply for these um, scholarships. I mean, I was like trying super hard to write. I was not a good writer at the time. And then I also have such a hard time focusing. So I remember during lunchtime, I would sit in my car and I would try and write these essays in hopes of like getting these scholarships. And I remember it's April, like school's almost over, like it ends in May and I haven't heard back and I'm like super bummed out because I'm, I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do yet. And all of a sudden, everything, like all these good news start coming in. I'm getting multiple scholarships and then... Like all of a sudden, everything's figured out. Like my college is going to be paid for. It, it was so amazing to me um, that it all worked out that way. Especially thinking that, like I wasn't. It wasn't possible. Like if I don't have a mm. good GPA, I'm not going to be into the school that I want, or I'm going to have to pay a lot, so I'm not going to go there. You know. Right, right, right. right. And so, fast forward again. I finally start school my first year. And it's completely different. And I and I always tell people, if you didn't do good in high school, it doesn't mean you can't do good in college. Or vice versa, if you did super good in high school, it doesn't mean you're going to do really good in college. Right, you know, right. It's how you apply yourself and kind of like the way that you look at things. So whenever I started um, school my first year, I like hit the ground running. I never missed class. I was never late. I would always, I would always be there. I would always do my work. I made sure that I had everything done. And on top of that, I was trying to get involved. I remember um, being involved in the Hispanic Student Association. And even my first year, I ran for Miss Hispanic um, OSU. And that was a really good opportunity for me because I really put myself out there. I mean, I, I wasn't good at public speaking. 
I had to choose a platform that I was passionate about, which was education. And it was just, it was just um, a really good opportunity for me to showcase everything that I had to say and really put myself out there. And it worked. And I remember getting uh, first runner up. Everything was awesome. And so I just continued to stay involved. I got involved with the Latino Business Student Association, even though I wasn't a business major. Like just doing all these things. Right? I also think it's super important to find a community on, on your college campus that you feel part of because school can get super difficult. And I feel like you always need a community to go back to and kind of remind yourself why you're there. You know, because mm-hmm. if you're isolating yourself and you're just focusing on school, that can get so depressing and you just need something to fall back on or somebody to talk to. Mm, that's real. And I want to pause where I want I mean, you're saying a lot of great these and I have some thoughts that I don't want to lose them and also to see your, your perspective mm-hmm, on go it. Ahead. You mentioned something very interesting talking about how to find the community, right? So you don't get caught up or lost in just mm-hmm. school. Um, I'll tell you right now, I don't know if you think about living abroad. That also applies to living abroad as well. <laughs> <laughs> you got is it for is it for to some it's cool that you that you already have that perspective because i don't ha- i didn't have that perspective right i never went away to college so it's so interesting hearing you your story even though you're 10 years younger than i am but hearing your story as someone that went to school right like you know you dormed right you went to a big university obviously and again you're mm-hmm. starting from zero you got to try to find your people find your community and you took risk right you took risk to, to put yourself out there and to find things that you're passionate about and I feel like it's so funny how this also applies to living abroad to finding community yeah. when one might be starting from scratch. All right, now let's fast forward to what is currently happening now. When did you find out, right? Let's say you major education, whatever. When did you find out that it was possible for you to go abroad and student teach? I want to say it was like towards the end of my third year. So my junior, towards the end of my junior year. I heard about it, but the coordinator is a really great person, but he was slow playing me so bad. He was because I, I like reached out to him because I wanted to know more about the program. And he was like, yeah, I'll I'll stay in touch with you. Like we'll get everything figured out. You're going to do this and this and this, and then it'll all work out. And then I don't hear from him for months and I'm like, okay, like it's, it's almost, it's like, it's December, it's Mm going to be January, and I don't even know, like, what's going on, you know? And it wasn't until, like, the end, the end of the year, when I finally found out, okay, you're a part of it, and I was like, okay, so, like, what's going on, where am I going to live, like, this and that, and he was like, uh, I don't know yet, I'm still trying to figure it out, (laughs) and even January, I was like, okay, where am I going to live, you know? And so, I knew about it the year before, but it was, like, everything was super, like, slow played, like, it was kind of like, like with him, it was a little bit more of like, go with the flow. Like once I hear about it, we'll figure it out, you know? Got you, got you. And is it something that you always knew you wanted to do? Or it's kind of like, oh, I'm hearing about it. Let me, like you said, let me find out more about it. Or were you like, yes, teaching abroad or students teaching abroad sounds like a dream of mine. Tell me what, what was actually going through your mind thinking about it. Uh, honestly, I was like super nervous about it. Even whenever I applied for the program. I was like, okay, if I don't get accepted, that's cool. <laughs> I don't have to be there for for like four months, you know. <laughs> but if I, it, it was more of like, okay, if I get accepted, go. But if not, I'm fine, you know. And I never really even thought about. I, I feel like a lot of the things that I do, 
that are more like exciting i don't know the things things like that it's like i feel nervous about doing it so i want to do it even more so this i wasn't even i wasn't even 50 percent sure that i wanted to do it oh and i was like, gonna go ahead and apply and if i get in then that means i need to do it and if i don't get in then whatever that's I so interesting so so you like know? you said you said your mindset like that like you said because you just said things you're not really excited about so you're not you weren't really excited about coming to costa rica student teaching but like things that you're not <laughs> as excited about it's kind of like but let me just put it out there, right? Let me let me just try, and if it happens, cool, right? If it doesn't happen, also cool. So that's how you like you approach certain things that like it'll be nice to have it, but nah, I'll be alright if I don't. Yeah, exactly. And even last no last summer, I did my first. It was kind of like my first summer being away from home because I joined this program. Uh, some people know it, some people don't, but it's like the McNair Scholars Program, and they have them at a lot of different universities, and it's basically a research-based program. And so I joined that program last minute, and one of the requirements um, to be a part of that program is to participate in a research uh, research experience, research experience undergrad. It's an REU. I forget what the what it stands for. But basically, you have to do undergrad research. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to just do it in Stillwater, where my school is, you know, because they have, a, they have um, like, workshops and everything, and you can do your research there with a faculty member. But you can also do an external REU at another university um, in another state, you know. And so that's when I was like, oh, that'd be really cool. Like, you know what, I'm going to find one. And if I, if I find one, I'm going to apply if I don't get it, then I'll stay here and still, you know, <laughs> it was like that thing. And if I get it, gotcha. well, I guess I'm going. And so I apply, close my laptop. I'm done. I don't even think about it. And then I hear back for that from them that I got accepted and it's in North Dakota. And it's like, okay, well, what's in North Dakota? And probably so, less than um, what's in Oklahoma. <laughs> less than what's in Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't mean to, sh- I don't mean to Dakota. say negative things about if, 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 if anyone is listening from North Dakota. My apologies, no. but go ahead. <laughs> but I've never met anybody from North Dakota. Me neither. <laughs> so yeah, less than what's in Oklahoma, and so I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to North Dakota, and so I spent my summer in North Dakota, and it's it's insane, insane how much community impacts your experience because there I mean it's the summer like school's out of session there's not I mean it's like a big university but one it's in North Dakota and two there's no students there just the people that are part of like the Mm -hmm. research experience and so I go and I'm literally the only Hispanic there and not in not just in the program but really in like the whole state i mean there's probably i'm sure there's (laughs) no i'm serious i'm sure there's hispanic communities there in north dakota but i didn't know about right right. and i had never felt so homesick in my life like when i tell you those those three months felt so much longer than my time here in costa rica here i really haven't felt that homesick and i'm literally like in another country how how did i feel more <laughs> home in north that's in the states than now i'm in costa rica 
Very, yeah. very interesting. Yes, that's a very interesting thing. But like you said, you mentioned it, community, right? People that look like you, right? That that plays a factor. It, it does. It could it could more for uh, right more for others and less for others, right? It depends on each individual person. But going back again, and that's why I like always dissecting and looking into people's backgrounds. Like you said, you grew <laughs> up around a predominantly Mexican Hispanic population, so much so, and I'm gonna keep this in my mind forever. You don't even ask people, oh, where are you from? Like, what part of Mexico are you? From? <laughs> I just said so hilarious, but that encapsulates right the, your experience in a in a in a very you know in a way that I think people could could uh, under try to understand even if that's not their experience right because that's not my experience right my my experience was not like that in New York as I told you but like you said to be in Costa Rica was predominantly obviously <laughs> Hispanics Latinos right that you're surrounded by along with a mix of people because you're working at an international school and, and foreign mm-hmm. expats or whatever that obviously plays a factor so i think that you hit that point home so well community matters so much wherever you go whether you're studying living working doesn't matter community is such a huge thing all right but now let's fast forward a little bit jessica to you being here and you experiencing costa rica and but particularly you student teaching what are your thoughts now that you've done four months here in costa rica what what have you like taken away from like your four months here I think the number one thing that I never thought about even like before I came here to Costa Rica is traveling abroad. Like, honestly, like if I had the opportunity to travel abroad, that'd be great. But I was never like, oh, I want to visit. I want to visit here. I want to go to Europe. I want to go to Africa. Like, I never really thought about those things, which is insane to me now. Like, why would I not think about those (laughs) Right. And then here I come to Costa Rica and I feel like a lot of people here, if they have the opportunity, they travel and they don't just travel within um, Central America. Like they, they leave, they leave to Europe, they leave to, you know, the States. I don't know. They, they leave everywhere. And so that was something that really influenced me a lot. And I don't know, I just feel so much, so much more eager to travel and experience different cultures experience different countries so i think that's the biggest probably the biggest takeaway that i had from being here that's awesome and and in particular student teaching like what did you have in your mind before you even got here like you're like all right i because again you never student taught before so i can imagine you have some ideas maybe domestically in the states what it might be student teaching but what was in your mind yeah. like yo what was it like to teach at a different country at an international school what was going through your mind Okay, so, yeah, like you said, I mean, I didn't student teach, but I did kind of, like, field placement. So I was in classrooms, but just, like, probably two weeks out of, two days out of the week, right? And these were public, public schools. And so it was completely different than an international private school. And I knew this was a private school, but I didn't know much about, I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know about um like I didn't know anything about the school I didn't know that they had (laughs) like different schools like I just knew nothing about the school I was kind of like okay it's a private school and then once I got here once I met the kids it's like a completely different environment and it's just completely different being in a public school than a private school and not only that but this was like a this is like a really well-off private school like the things that these kids like these kids are just so fortunate. Yes. So it's 
it's just different because sometimes you would think about um like in the schools that I had taught you would really think about issues would be about like money for the kids and like where they lived and here it's not so much about money where they live but more about the attention and the love and the affection that they get from their family right I I would say not not to argue guys I 100% agree right socioeconomic things that you might experience in a public school that kids might experience these kids don't these kids don't experience but I I would say that the socio-emotional needs are very relevant in both spaces, right? Because I, I didn't work at a public school. I worked at a charter school in, in New York, and it was either lower to middle class, right, income families. And that this kid, those kids had a lot of emotional uh, needs, right, that needed to be met. Mm-hmm. And so do, do these kids here. Like, and obviously, they look, the needs look different. But in terms of, like, the severity, they could, they, I think the spectrum is is pretty much the same in terms of, like, oh, this kid's all right. This kid needs way more. This kid needs a lot more, you know? And but the only difference being is their social economic needs, but their emotional needs yeah. based because again you talk about these par- these uh, families are well off. What that could look like is that maybe the parents are not home, right? Uh, maybe the nanny is raising these kids, and so yeah. that creates an emotional uh, need that the kid might have that they might not be as close to the parents. And if you flip that in in the states, right, or at least in my context, maybe these kids are growing up in single parent households. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so that looks different, right? So I think it's so interesting because um, you're 100% on, uh, but it's so interesting seeing the dynamics, what's different, but also what's very similar, but looks different. Does that make sense? Exactly, yeah, yeah. because once you look into it, it's like, okay, well, this kid, like, I kind of like, I was talking about this with another teacher. Like, if you see like a kid that's acting out or like crying because they can't like crying all the time you know and then you just have to think about it as like okay well how hard would it be if you can't get through a math problem without crying you know like it must be really hard to be in their position like it doesn't matter like how good their life is Mm -hmm. like frustration is Mm -hmm. frustration can't do something i mean you can't can't do it you know like everybody has difficult struggles but it's different for everybody mm-hmm. exactly right well very well said so I, I, it's good it's funny that you said these kids are so because again they hit me hard i always tell the story uh jessica that one of the students well i'll tell you offline who it is i know you know you might you probably know this kid but when i was asking kids what are their favorite hobbies <laughs> he goes he goes horseback riding and i didn't anticipate that's why I, that was like a moment of like angel you're not in kansas anymore where i never yeah. expected a six-year-old to say that their favorite hobby is horseback riding. I was just so taken aback by that. I'm like, okay, this is going to be quite different than teaching in New York City. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's completely different. Yeah, no, it's... Or like, the other day, one of my, it was my student's birthday. I was like, oh, what are you going to do today? Well, my chef is going to prepare me. <laughs> my meal. You know, like, just things like that. And I'm like, you're, you're chef? Yeah. Yeah, not even made my chef. Right, right, right. And honestly, uh, one thing that I worried about when I came in is that I thought these kids, because again, they are very well off, very fortunate. I thought that all the kids would be like, not because they're spoiled rotten, but because I thought these kids would be acting up because of that. And honestly, I don't know, I would like to know your perspective, but these kids are not like that. Like, obviously not, you know, the, the majority of the kids that I teach are not like that. They're very, they're respectful they're they're mild mannered. Some of them, some are very quiet, some are extroverted. 
But for the most part, I thought that because they're well off, that they were going to use that as like, a, I could do whatever I want. And that's not, at least from my perspective, that hasn't been my experience. Has that been your experience? Yeah, definitely not. They are very respectful and really kind, honestly, even yes, more so that's than kind. Yes, I agree. Yeah, than students that I've met from private schools in the States. And I really think that a lot of it is like, okay, well, just because you have money, I mean, how did your parents raise you? You know, I'm sure mm -hmm. their parents um, played a large role. And on top of that, I think it's just something like, even though they're very well off, it's something that they're used to, you know? So if you don't ever experience being around somebody that's because there's not much difference in classes at that right, school, you right. know? That's a great point. Mm -hmm. So you don't feel like you're really better than anybody. I mean, I don't really see these right. kids as acting like they're better than anybody else, you so, know? Right. That's a, that, that's a really good point because I don't think I worried about it. I thought I would have to, like, be having to have conversations with kids about kids talking about their sneakers, you know? Mm -hmm. And all these kids rock Skechers. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it's so you're right, and it's like these kids are like we're all of from the same like said socioeconomic class. So what are we what are we fighting about? But anyway, enough about that. I want to get more into into your experience. Again, this is about student teaching abroad, right? And so you mentioned your your main takeaways from being here and your four months and things of that nature. What do you think you've learned, like teaching wise, right? Like you're go, you're gonna go back to I know I know you're gonna you know I don't want maybe give it away, but I know you're gonna be studying still, going for your masters. But what when yeah. you think about teaching, does this experience does it make you more want to be a teacher? Or you, did you feel that was a, that was neutral? Not, nothing changed. What do you feel about teaching now? I think something that really helped me being here in Costa Rica is that since it is, I mean, a Latin country, everybody here is a lot more affectionate, you know, and so that really rubbed off on me especially being with the students and not to say that I wasn't already affectionate with the students and I didn't give them love but I felt so much more comfortable doing so here because everybody was like that you know like mm. even even with one another they just show so much love like teacher to teacher they talk to each other so kindly and I noticed that I started to be a lot more affectionate here and I didn't realize how I mean, how, like, dry I was before coming here. You know? <laughs> I always thought I was so nice. You know? And so, That's such a funny way to put it. <laughs> I know. And so even my, my Costa Rican uh, friend that I met here, my Tika friend, mm -hmm. I'll be texting her and she'll, she'll, like, send me four messages and I'll just reply with one. And she's like, I mean, Jessica, why are you so dry? You're always so dry. <laughs> and I was like your question what do you mean yeah you know right 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 no that's such a great point and this goes to this we can relate on the fact that we're both as they call here gringo latinos right latin heritage latin, you know ethnicity but born and raised in the united states and of course being latino in the u.s looks very different than being latino in costa rica right or being costa yeah. rican so i can relate to that because again i'm from new york and let me tell you something these teachers here and my our colleagues they always, especially like, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to name their names, but I'll, I'll tell you offline, but you know who they are. Like, they always make fun of my New Yorkness because, like, you're such a New Yorker. And I don't catch that because I'm not around New Yorkers anymore, right? Like, it's like we're all, we were all one of the same, so we all, all, all act very similarly. So it's hard to call out another New, York, New Yorker on their New Yorkness. But here, apparently so, 
maybe you've noticed it yourself, but apparently it's very apparent how much of a New Yorker I am. <laughs> but so I, think, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just can't compare myself to you because you're probably a lot more harsh than I am because I'm from <laughs> Oklahoma, from New York. Wait, worse in what way? I mean, like, like. I don't know. I can see you not being as affectionate. Wow. Like Wait to assume. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think I'm affectionate. I, th- I think the kids love me. I will say that. <laughs> no, but it's funny. But yeah, you're right, though. Costa Rica and Latin culture, and you live in the Latin country, definitely, like, softens you. Like, that outer shell is, you know, being American, especially being, like, from New York. It's like you grow up not really trusting people. <laughs> like, you grow- <laughs> like, yeah. At least for me. I don't know about you. But here in Costa Rica... People tend to be more trustworthy, um, and Pura Vida is very much a real thing here. Um, it's not it just a slogan. It, I'm sure you've experienced it in the, even in the four months you've been here. It is something that they 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 truly care about, you know, in terms of and they how, pride yeah. in they pride in being very nice, very respectful. Yes, very much so. So it does make us Latinos from the states look like kind of assholes sometimes, <laughs> in the way that we could be, as you said, so dry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. But again, I'm not sure if I caught that. You said, what have you got from teaching? Like, what do you think you're going to take away from teaching, though? Like, do you care more about teaching? Do you feel like is? Oh, you said more affectionate. Oh, yeah, that and I do. I really do. But I kind of, it's, it's interesting because I had such a good experience here in Costa Rica that I kind of have to remind myself that it's really not going to be like that in the States. Or, like, sometimes I'll have a really rough day with the students not wanting to listen or, like, cooperate, you know? And I'm like, oh, wow, that was a hard day. Then I have to, like, think back, like, no, it was a really good day because when you go back to the States, it's really going to be like this every single day. <laughs> you know, it's so different. Like, it's so completely different because there's no such as not having the resources available at the school that we're at, you know, like everything mm-hmm. is there for us. We don't even have to purchase anything for the classroom or you don't have to spend hours and hours um, trying to plan an activity beforehand, you know, mm-hmm. or like cutting and picking things together because, you know, like I can go get it laminated at the library. I can go get it, you know, like there's just. Right. And, th- and this, and this comes so like the, the equity piece of like, and then like you said, like, schools i mean let's be honest like we said it this is a for-profit and a private institution that has mm. a lot of resources lots of money and therefore like you said certain things going to be way easier right just like just because of resources right resources are so valuable as a teacher as an educator yeah. but unfortunately right which is, is we don't have time to discuss this but unfortunately in the u.s a lot of schools don't have that luxury. Unless, of course, they are also, and you go work at another private school, <laughs> right? But like you said, public schools, no matter where you're at, really, right? Most, but predominantly in the U.S., right? Public schools are not the most well-funded or they're ill-funded, right? Funds might not be used in the way that they should be used, right? For the kids and for the teachers and whatever the case may be. But you're right. It's, it, it's unfortunate that you're not even a teacher yet. And here I am finishing up my ninth year of teaching and you're already thinking about the fact that this is like a unicorn experience. And even though this is this felt like a bad day, this is going to be your day. Listen, that's not going to happen. I'll, I'll, I'll give you some <laughs> advice. That's not going to be your reality where where you think where you think it's a bad day here is going to be your norm every day. And I'm sure some teachers might be listening to you, like scoffing at this idea. But I do believe that, again, someone has worked in New York City, 
in a school in a school that actually was pretty well resourced, I would say. But again, the school had issues, right? So even schools that do have resources, mm-hmm. they're still going to have their issues. And I'm sure, like you said, I think it's about what the issues are, right? Not necessarily that you're gonna you're not going to have issues here, but you're going to have issues exactly. in the other place. It's just going to look different. And it's all about your perspective, right? What issues is going to drain me? And what issues can I fight for and be, you know, and develop a callus for, like be strong about it, be uh, persevere. You get what I'm saying? So I think it's about yes. what's, what the issues are, not necessarily that you're not going to have issues or are going to have issues. So hopefully you feel more positive about your experience teaching in the future. <laughs> no, but yeah, definitely. But I will say that I had never been with, right now that I'm with third grade, it's like crazy to think that I had never even thought about teaching third grade. I had only been with pre-K, kindergarten, at the most second grade. And so I never really thought about third grade. And I was only placed in third grade because I wanted to experience being with um, an older age group. And I'm so glad that I did that because it's so nice to be with a group of students that I can I can connect with and genuinely have like like a like a real conversation. Not that I can't have a real conversation with pre-K or like first and second grade, but right. it's just much more like it's it's so much more developed from from kindergarten to se- to third grade really really you know like mm. a lot more conversations mm. and so i really like third grade and it made me it made me realize that i i want to teach older students i want to teach even though third grade is little i want to teach third grade as opposed to pre-k or kindergarten even though i still love pre-k and kindergarten you know that's so interesting that, that's cool though i mean as, like you said new experience you're more open to new things. That's, I mean, that's the way you got to do it. All right. And uh, we didn't even get to this, but I want to get this before we get to the final segment of the podcast. You are, you're not here by yourself. You're here with uh, three other girls? Yes. All right. So what has that experience been like sharing this experience with others that are coming from university? So these, so the three girls that I'm with, I actually didn't know before coming here. Hmm. They... They are from my university, yes, but we're from completely different programs. Okay. They're that I'm human development and family sciences, but my concentration is early childhood education, and their major is just elementary education. Mm, okay. So, so these girls have had classes together beforehand, and two of the girls are actually best friends, so they really know each other. So I was a little bit nervous coming here. And all we knew is that we would be staying in um, in the family, I mean, in, a, in the house of a host family, but that only one of us would be living with another girl, right? So right now I live um, with one of the three girls and then the other two girls live on their own. But I remember when I was... Um, whenever I was going to find out where I was going to live, I was like, okay, I really hope that I live with another girl because it'll make like the transition so much easier. Mm-hmm. And I ended up living with one of them. And I'm really glad that I did because not only was I able to um, step out of my comfort zone, build a connection with her, because I do definitely think that if I would have lived without her or kind of like on my own with the host family I probably would have isolated myself a lot more you know so it's nice to get out of my comfort zone in that way and then on top of that um 
I'm able to translate for her because these these three girls, they were under the impression, because that's what the supervisor, or not the supervisor, but the coordinator had told them is that they'd be living in uh, in a with a host family that speaks English. Mm. So they weren't even about speaking, uh, learning to speak Spanish because their host um, mom or host parents were going to speak English. Mm. And so imagine imagine how they felt when they came here and they speak nothing of English, you know, so they have no right. way of communicating with them besides Google Translate. Mm-hmm. So it felt really well that I had somebody here as a transition. And I mean, I was here with her as somebody that could translate for her, you know? So um, it's, it's kind of interesting though, because a lot of the times when we have breakfast or dinner with our, with our host mom here, I'm just sitting there and I'm, and I'm just talking to her on my own, you know, and sometimes it can feel a little bit, I can feel a little bit bad or a little bit awkward because it's just me having a conversation with the host mom in Spanish. And then my friend who doesn't speak Spanish is just sitting there, you know, kind of right trying to, trying to be not necessarily trying to be a part of it and not not trying to be a part of it but kind of just sitting there like nodding her head like trying to understand some parts but mm-hmm. but you know it's like when you can't speak the language and in the beginning I would try and translate but it would be very difficult because the host mom would be telling me lots of parts of the story and then it would kind of be like okay well I'm telling her parts and you know like going back and forth you know right and so eventually it's a lot of work became, okay, I'm gonna tell her and then I would tell her the summary of the story <laughs> oh she said that with her daughter you know here's a synopsis yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and wh- what would you say because again like you said you guys didn't know each other you're living with this one but if i hope you do because i think it's very interesting if if you have had these conversations already or you are going to have them you know in the near future right? you guys are leaving very very soon um wh- you think your experiences have been similar you think they've been star- like it's been a stark contrast your experiences um, it's, it's definitely been, been, oh, it's, it's been a completely different experience. And like I said, I haven't felt too homesick here. Like I could definitely, although I do miss my family and friends, I could go, um, I could go longer being here, mm. but for them they're kind of ready to go home. I mean, they miss, they miss the food that they ate. They miss their their home they miss their family and they are they are white they're not mexican correct yeah they're they're white right and but i but i completely understand because if i didn't know um the language of a if i was in a country and i didn't know the language it could be it could be a lot more frustrating it could be harder for me Mm -hmm. to feel like comfortable and feel at home you know so i completely understand and so it's just it's just different because whenever I'm whenever I'm back at my university, I feel like a minority. And here, technically, they're the they're the minority, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's very it's completely. And one of the girls, she had her host mom has a niece, and they met her and they became like they they became friends with her because she spoke English. She spoke English very well. And so they introduced me to her and I went to a concert with her. And literally right after that concert, we were like inseparable. We would hang out every single week. <laughs> all the so just even even in itself. And so whenever we hang out with her and then I'm also with the the other girls from my university. 
it's like fine we, we can speak english but then once i start to speak spanish with my tika friend like like i start to feel kind of like rude you know that i'm here with them and i'm speaking spanish because i know that they can't understand it and so she kind of has to remind me my tika friend she has to remind me mm-hmm. hey like spanish because i feel kind of bad that they can't be in the conversation and i'm like mm-hmm. oh you're right you know Right, right. No, that I like you said. It definitely is super understandable. If you don't understand the language, you're not. Is yeah. you're more likely to be homesick, right? It's like, damn, I can't communicate with people. <laughs> that's that's base yeah. one of trying to enjoy or trying to understand your, you know, your experience. But um, but you said it's it's definitely you 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 mentioned it a little bit earlier. How even though obviously you're you're an English speaker as well, but it's flipped, right? When you're back in the states. You're the minority, or at least in your context, let's say I know it's you, but now they're here and they're the minority. So it's so I wonder for them, obviously I wouldn't know this unless I spoke to them. So I wonder if for them that gives them some perspective of the minority experience in the US, right? Because I think sometimes what happens is, and I've experienced this because I'm now I've lived abroad, is that when you're abroad, your identity is very fluid, right? So here, I've mentioned this many times to other of my friends, and they agree, I feel more American here than I did back in the States because I understand that English is the language that I speak at the school, and that's a language yeah. that is very, very much valued you know, in, in the work that I do and the fact that I have an American passport. At the same time, I, I, I'm both part of the majority and the minority, depending on what context you're looking at, Right. And potentially on a hierarchy, depend, depending on the context you're looking at, whether it's nationality, language, right, native language, and ethnicity, right? Depending on what context you're talking to, that could be viewed as a, you're the, minor, the minority, the majority, or whatever the case may be. But for them, that might be flipped, right? Because now they're here. But when they go back, it'll go back to the way it normally is. We were going to say mm-hmm. something, but go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to, you just reminded me of something else that like to them, I'm probably super, like super Latina, you know, because I speak Spanish and, mm-hmm. you know, like in the probably super Latina. But I mean, I remember being um, like I was talking to one of the parents of one of the students and she was like, oh, you're not from here, are you? And I was like, oh, no, I'm not. And she was like. Oh, I can tell porque hablas como gringa, you know? Like, <laughs> I, like, oh. <laughs> I get that so many times. <laughs> and I feel offended. I feel offended with it. Like, damn, that Spanish is not good enough. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's, and then I kind of thought, at first I was like a little bit offended, but then I was like, I was like, I don't think she even meant it in a bad way. Like, I right, think she was just right. straight up. Like, okay, well, I don't. <laughs> and then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I'm probably never going to talk like, like a Mexican from Mexico because I right. wasn't born in Mexico and mm-hmm. wasn't raised in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always going to be Mexican American because I live in the United States, exactly, you know? So right. that's, and that's, and that's what makes, I, was, sorry, I can't go, change that. Go ahead. Sorry. Say the last part. Oh, nothing. I just said that I was, I was born in, in the U S and I can't change that. You exactly. Know? And that's what makes uh, our experiences. I mean, everyone's experiences, everyone's own personal perspective is unique, right? Like every person's mindset, but in particular, when we're talking about at least eth- ethnic wise, ethnicity wise. And given that we have this, this, uh, this duality, right. Of being American, but having Latin roots that are predominant, obviously in our upbringing, just like you said, and in mine as well, that makes it 
complicated and conflicting <laughs> you know mm-hmm. where where you 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 experience you feel like you'll be more a part of the identity that you associate with which is being latina or being you know latino but yet you're in this context someone reminds you how american you are <laughs> yeah and then when it said but then maybe from their perspective from your friend's perspective because they're not latina and they're from the states they're like man this girl jessica is super latina she could just fit fits like a glove but Really, exactly. you might not like fit like a glove. <laughs> exactly. It's like, okay, in the States, like, I'm a little, I'm like super, super Latina at my university, whatever. I'm like, I look super Mexican. And then I come here and it's like, oh, this like American, you know, like. Right, right. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. My tica friend, even my tica friend, like her, her mom was like, oh yeah, la gringa. And I was like, damn, like you couldn't even say la mexicana. Like you but it goes to show that's why I'm I'm glad that not only you have it but your friends are having this experience as well because literally you're broadening your horizons right but this gives you perspective of how what your identity is in different contexts because identity is a very yeah. fluid thing it's not static right it depends on your situated context and where you are the language you're speaking who you're speaking to right who you're communicating with and a multitude of factors but it's so cool and I think is that's why I wanted to talk to you about your experience because I think it's is one for anyone that's listening to this that is your age, right? That is about to graduate from college and think about studying, uh, teaching abroad, whether it was studying abroad or student teaching abroad. Your experience, mm-hmm. I think, shows that one is worthwhile because you have had this reflection, right? It's time to reflect on your own identity, on your own experience, but also on the experience you have with others that come from the same university as you, but don't might necessarily look like you or have your same experience. Yeah. And I think overall, just coming here, I've grown so much like as an individual like so much that's 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 great to hear now unfortunately we get to the last part of the podcast <laughs> we spoke for an hour look at that i said i told you before i'm like it's gonna be probably 45 minutes to an hour and like we hit the literally the hour mark and i don't want to take I too know. much like, i was like okay this will be like a cool 20 minutes okay yeah no minutes. hasn't been sorry <laughs> i gotta get to the nitty-gritty of every conversation i have <laughs> no all right so there's gonna be a lightning round segment uh, one word answers. I'm going to ask you a question. The first thing that comes to your mind, that's what you answer with. Cool? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay All right. Yeah. All right. Favorite place in Costa Rica? Uh, probably Puerto Viejo. Oh, good answer. That's also my favorite place. <laughs> if it was closer, even but good answer, good answer. But why? Tell me one reason why Puerto Viejo. Because it's, it's I mean, it's the Caribbean side. It's a completely different culture. Even though it's in Costa Rica, it's completely different than going to Manuel Antonio, you know? Yes, yes, very true. For those that know, Manuel Antonio is on the Pacific side. Um, yes, mm-hmm. I 100% agree. <laughs> Shout out to Puerto Viejo. Amazing, beautiful place. Um, question number two. What is your favorite tico dish or tico food that you've had? Uh, gallo pinto. I could eat that, like, every <laughs> single morning. Even... Even if I literally, even if I have breakfast and it'll be snack time, like at nine thirty, I go to the cafeteria. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go eat some gallo pinto. <laughs> Listen, I eat gallo pinto every single morning when I go to school. It's it's something that I never thought I would eat. Like eating, I don't know about Mexican or Mexican Americans, but eating rice in the morning is not something that Dominicans do ever. Um, and you know, sometimes for lunch, but it's mostly for dinner. You eat rice. And when I saw that with eggs, I'm like, are these people, have they lost their damn minds? But I you're know, right. When, I love it. <laughs> yes. 
I remember before I came here, I had a cousin that was like, yeah, I went to Costa Rica. Like, their favorite dish is rice and beans. I was like, what? That's a side. How can that be? (laughs) (laughs) And then I come here and I'm like, oh, this is really good. You know, like, I really like this. Sometimes I won't eat it because, I mean, I eat whatever my host mom makes. Right. So sometimes I it for a week and so i'm like oh i really want some night so <laughs> um what has surprised you the most about costa rica i think honestly the the pura vida I, knew, I mean i knew they said that here but i didn't know how much they actually <laughs> stood by it and like like literally they're so nice here like i have never like in Mexico, we just say de nada por nada, like, mm-hmm. like you know. Yes, con gusto. <laughs> like I will literally, like I could hit them, and they would be like, con gusto. like literally so nice. They're so nice, and I love. Were, are you were you also surprised how much they actually said the word pura vida, the phrase pura vida? Yeah, well, I I don't really hear it as much. Really, I, would hear, I hear it all the time. Yeah, not at school. Yeah, at school, not as much, but. If you're talking to people yeah. like outside of school, outside of our work context, Buddha be that said yeah. a lot. But um, I, guess, I guess true. And what they use it for? I mean, they use it for everything. For everything, literally, it means everything. Um, okay. Uh, least favorite thing about Costa Rica? Oh, right now the heat. I didn't <laughs> think it would be. The, it's it's just completely different. I mean, it gets to hundred, a hundred and five degrees in Oklahoma in the summer, which sounds horrible. Right, that's horrible. <laughs> And not to sound super like, like gringa, but like we had AC, so it was like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> Here, I don't like it. I'm going inside. It's even hotter. Yes, yes, you know? yes. Our, our unfortunately, if those our schools do not have a only certain rooms have ACs, but uh, our classrooms do not. We have just fans, um, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, but honestly, excuse me. For me, I'm used to it, and it's not that hot to me. Because like you said, I New York also gets to 95, 100, and you're around buildings, which is so the heat just, the, the heat is like all contains like a microwave walking around New York City. But here, at least there's trees, you know, and it's the Central Valley, so you're going to get a breeze every now and then. But Alajuela, where we are, is definitely hotter than other parts of uh, Central Valley. But yes, the heat could be a little bit, <laughs> a little much. All right, final, final question. There's not a lightning round. It's however you want to answer it. Last thing I'm going to ask you. So you said okay. you, got, you got your takeaways of Costa Rica. When you get back home, right, when you get on that flight back home to see your family, see your friends in Oklahoma, and they say, tell me about Costa Rica, what are you going to tell them? Honestly, I will probably say I loved it. I think you should really visit it. It's a beautiful country with so much diversity, like in terms of nature. I mean, you have beaches, you have volcanoes. You have everything. It's such a beautiful country. And although it's a it's a smaller country, it has so much diversity. And you can go three hours, like drive three hours away. And it's completely different than where you were. You know, or you can go, you can go two hours, you can drive two hours away and the climate completely changes. I mean, it's such a beautiful country. There's so much to see. And Costa Rica has some of the most beautiful beaches I have ever seen and i think that's probably what i'm gonna miss the most especially since i mean in the states it's like oh you want to go to a nice beach you can go to florida and even in florida (laughs) it's not going to be as beautiful as the ones that they have here it's amazing 
I hope you enjoyed that episode with Jessica. I most definitely did. One thing that stuck out to me was uh, her perspective on um, dorming and being at a university and starting from scratch and having to build a community and how much that relates to living abroad. I mean, it, it couldn't have been more apt, the description, what one needs to do in order to succeed, in my opinion, living abroad, or at least enjoy living abroad uh, to a fuller extent. Um, it doesn't matter where you're located in the world. Um, you need people. Um, you need to have a sense of community, a sense of belonging where you are. And if you have that, you're probably going to be all right. And I'm glad that Jessica brought that to the forefront. And I'm curious to see where her journey takes her in her educational career to see if she, you know, she teaches in the States and then if she eventually moves abroad. Um, I've always been very interested in, in uh, those that have an opportunity to either study abroad or student teach abroad and see what percentage of those folks actually end up going abroad in the future. I would love to look at some data of that. <laughs> I think it's very interesting, but as you heard her say, she's now more open uh, to teaching abroad, which I think is really cool. And I'm glad she got to experience this, not just her, but also her her friends and her other um, student colleagues <laughs> that joined her on this trip. And I wish her nothing but the best. And it was dope uh, getting to know her a little bit. Now, next episode will be my 100th episode, which is literally insane to think about. Um, <laughs> I will be doing, as far as I know, a solo episode kind of going through the archives and uh, <laughs> talking about just what it's like to have done 100 episodes of this thing that I call my podcast. <laughs> so look out for that hopefully next week or the next two weeks. Um, I'll be releasing a special 100th episode. Um, I might, and I might do also an IG live. So keep a lookout for that. I might, I'm probably going to do both. But anyways, if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. See you next time. This is 11 Color Abroad. Peace.